Wiz, it's me, it's TRG, the rambling gambler, a boot-wearing, ring-wearing, soon-to-be jet-flying son of a plumbing salesman. This is episode number 40 of our Casino Combat Podcast. If you listen to episode 39, I remarked that all the 30 numbers in numerology had very similar descriptions, and I wondered out loud if things would change when we got to numbers that started with 4. Well... 40 in numerology is a very interesting number. It represents highly practical and conscientious energies. And actually, I wanted to talk about being practical and focused about a non-gambling part of your casino gambling during this episode. So that is just about perfect. Here we go. A very practical disclaimer, and then I'll lay out the episode for you. Gentlemen, non-binary persons, ladies, all the Ewoks on Endor, do not gamble with money you cannot afford to lose. Do not gamble with money you need to pay your bills. My past performances are not indicative of anyone's future results, including my own. If you have a gambling problem, contact your local problem gambling hotline. If you do not know your local problem gambling hotline number, send an email to help at casinocombat.com. We will find that number for you. We will make it available to you. Everything I'm going to share with you in this podcast is based in fact. Names and dates have been altered to protect the innocent and the guilty. Minor items unrelated outcomes may be omitted in the interest of brevity and clarity. All right. For very practical reasons, we have a new segment today for the very first time. Today, I'm going to do chilling with the ice cream man. It just seems conscientious to give someone who is able to contribute to the podcast for a now third straight episode, their own segment in the podcast. I feel obligated to do a question segment because I have been accused of only doing half of the assignment when I talked about hotels and reward system selection in Las Vegas for a first-time visitor. So we'll do that after the new segment, and we're going to do a core concept segment and talk about something that doesn't involve gambling, that is a very important part of being a successful casino gambler. I went both east and west this week, so we will, of course, discuss the results and a few observations in the travel segment, and we always finish up in the VIP lounge. Today, I'm going to share a story about TRG, the pit boss, <laughs> and actually, I just realized um, I, I, have, uh, I have two TRG as the pit boss stories that I should probably share with you. They both happened in the same casino. They both happened in the same pit um, about a year apart. So I'm going to do that. If you enjoy the stories, I've got two good ones for you today. And if you suffer through them to get to the teaching stuff, um, well, uh, you've been warned, I guess. Let's just look at it that way. Uh, Two stories in the VIP lounge. If you've listened since episode 22, you may be tired of what comes next, and I appreciate your patience. If you are just listening for the first time, thank you, and let me give you a quick Casino Combat 101, which is very different from Punk Rock 101. It's neither stupid nor contagious. Well, some people might think it's one or the other, but either way, here you go. Casino Combat 101. Some of this is going to be told quickly, and in an attempt to entertain and inform at the same time. But this next part is not that. It is serious. It is not hyperbole. It is not hype. I am not trying to sell you anything. I have nothing to sell. And this part is something I should say more often. And I don't. And I should. So here goes. You can be good at casino gambling. Big picture casino gambling. People will lie to you and they will tell you that going to casinos is something that only involves losing. That you always lose. Or you always lose in the long run. Or sure you win a little bit. but you That's not true. You can be good at casino gambling. It is a skill. It can be learned. Now listen to what I did not say there because it's as important as what I did say. I did not say that I, by way of casino combat, can teach you how to win at roulette all the time. I'm not offering you a system by way of casino combat for always winning at blackjack. What I did say is that you can learn to be good at casino gambling. Being good at casino gambling is about more than being good at a specific casino gambling game. I mean, that helps. It helps to be good at a specific game. You need to do that. But Casino Combat is about understanding and exploiting how casinos work for fun and profit in the big picture. It's about living part of your life as a casino gambler, having fun, and usually making money at the end of the month. That's what this podcast attempts to teach, examine, and talk about. Okay, now the quick parts. We spell lots of things with a K. It was cheaper to produce the podcast that way. I'll remind you of that from time to time. Probably more than you want to be reminded. There are games hidden in the podcast. They are explained in episode 22. There are prizes. There have been winners. I just met with one of them this weekend. Wonderful person. 
Slot machines should not be part of casino combat, but I kept winning money playing certain machines a certain way, and so did other people in my life. So I wrote it all down as an ebook. You are welcome to download it for free. If you would like a copy, send an email to me, trg at casinocombat.com, spell combat with a K, and put two words in the subject line. Slot, S-L-O-T, then a space, tactics, T-A-C-T-I-C-S. Fred, the bot in charge of email, will send you a link to download a copy of the book. Fred is available 24-7. Do not think that TRG, Billy with the great last name, or T-Rex are sitting around all day, every day, one of us replying to that request. We see them, we appreciate the notes that go with them, but Fred does all the hard work. If you go to CasinoCombat.com and spell combat, of course, with a K, you will see that, that we are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Contributing a like, a share, or a subscribe, a review, whatever your platform allows you to do, is a donation that we really, truly appreciate. If you have, thank you. And if you have not, could you spare a like or a subscribe or a share? It'd be nice. We'd like it. Okay, begging done. On YouTube, there's a playlist called Boot Camp. It's the basics of being a good casino gambler in short lessons that take less than 90 minutes total for the whole thing. There you have it, a practical guide to the rest of this episode of our podcast, as well as Casino Combat 101 for any new friends just joining us. So here we go, the first ever Chillin' with the Ice Cream Man segment of Casino Combat. All right, one bit of housekeeping that needs to be done here real quick. Sometimes in the creative process, I miss the obvious. Last week, I referred to Ice Cream Man as ICM a couple times. I'm going to retcon that right now today. Clearly, Ice Cream Man needs to be I-K-M, not I-C-M. And, and that's what we're going to roll with going forward. And if you if you don't recall or you're just catching us for the first time, um, I-K-M, the Ice Cream Man... Um, works in the casino industry in St. Louis, uh, U.S. of A. Uh, so he has experience that way. He owns an ice cream store. He's been a floor boss. He's been a dealer. Um, he is a gambler. He has is and or is a card counter. Um, just a great all-around resource. He found the podcast, decided to go all the way back to the beginning and listen to it all the way through and really understand it. And uh, since that point, he's been contributing his knowledge, his wisdom, and his experience to kind of uh, help us see things from his point of view. So I received a note from ICAM this week saying he had caught up with all the episodes and he had some very kind and complimentary things to say, which obviously I truly appreciate and I'm not going to repeat them and pat myself on the back, but I want to acknowledge publicly that it was very kind of him to uh, to, to share his compliments and his thoughts um, about the podcast. And he also included some of his experiences trying a version of Casino Combat, kind of really close to exactly what I do. And so here's what he shared. He used Slot Strategy 2 from the Slot Tactics ebook, and his first slot machine took him all the way to the negative exit. Ouch. Um. <laughs> Look, you got to appreciate him then sticking with me, even though it didn't work the first time, right? you got to really, really, really appreciate that, and I do. And so despite that negative exit, he still had a profit, including money that he'd, he'd gotten from free slot play. So um, minus that, he was only down about $10 at this point. So... Um, you know, that is a casino combat point of view on events so far. Free play gave me some money. I tried a slot strategy once. It took some money away. Not a big deal. I'm in this for the long haul. I'm only down about $10. He then found a video blackjack machine with decent rules. And again, that's a casino combat approach to game selection. Know the rules, sort out the house advantage, figure out if you're going to play or not. I absolutely love it. So IKM used TRG wagering system one with a couple of adjustments on the positive and negative progression amounts. And again, right on the money, right on topic, right on brand. Understand the concepts in the wagering systems and adjust them as needed for your particular play style because you understand how the concepts work. When he finished with Blackjack, he was again having a winning visit. And he decided to play a slot machine on his way out once again, using strategies from the from the ebook, 
but he was going to be sure that he was going to leave with a win. That was the plan. But the machine had other ideas. And Ice Cream Man ended up having to decide between finishing the process described in the book, a process that I've described bits and pieces of here, by adding some of his own money or walking away and abandoning the project and leaving the casino with a very small win. He remembered the stories of my wife and I learning that playing to the end often worked out well. So ICAM remembered that, stayed on plan, and with only three spins remaining before a large negative exit, he hit a bonus set of spins. And those spins generated a second set of bonus spins. And he finished his visit having increased his starting bankroll for the visit by 50%. So now it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter if he started with 100 and left with 150 or started with 10,000 and left with 15,000. What he started with using the techniques generated a 50% return on starting money. As important and or more important, he said it was fun and that he plans to try it at least a few more times, which is excellent. What more can I ask for hosting a podcast than that someone finds enough value in this and decides to actually try it? And despite the ouch at the beginning, he ended up having wonderfully positive results. So excellent. Thank you for sharing. Thanks for finding this interesting enough to participate in the podcast. So there you go, everyone. A field report from someone putting the core concepts of casino combat to the test. Okay, let's do a question segment and sort out what it is I may or may not have missed in a previous episode. What? What? Someone named Jules R. sent me a note and said, You didn't finish the assignment you gave yourself. I'm not a Vegas expert, but I know that when you talked about picking a reward system when going to Las Vegas for the first time, you skipped Cosmo, Stratosphere, Treasure Island, all of downtown, and then Ellis Island is cool too, just to name a place of many. I think you need to tell us about those places so people can have all the information. Also, does Mrs. TRG get a vest too? Is it cute? Can you post a picture on Instagram or something? Okay. Excellent, Jules. Excellent, Jules. Excellent, excellent. Um, thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you for sending your questions. Let me take the second one first. Mrs. TRG would certainly be welcome to have a vest, but does not have one. So, sorry. No picture. Um, but don't focus on the vest. Okay, the vest is a concept for being organized in a casino and being able to easily move from normal life to casino life and back again frequently. So Mrs. TRG has a different tool for doing the same thing that she picked out. She has a designer clutch, and I'm sorry, I don't really know brands, so I can't tell you which one, which brand it is. Um, but uh, this clutch was a casino gift, and in it she has all her players' cards for the various reward systems that we're in, her gambling bankroll, her lip gloss, hand sanitizer, individually wrapped alcohol wipes per cleaning surfaces, everything she needs when she's in a casino, and none of the parts of her regular life that she doesn't need. So when she's ready to enter the casino, she takes her ID out of her everyday purse, which actually matches the clutch since it's the same brand and was a gift from the same casino, and she puts her, her ID into her casino purse, and off she goes. Same purpose, different tool. I decided on a vest instead of a purse, but as I said, they serve the same purpose. As for the first part of your question, okay, you're not wrong. You're, you're not. Your observation is correct, but it's a, I'm going to be a bit nuanced here. I did go back and listen, and I did say, as part of what I was trying to answer your question for, on the strip. I excluded off-strip properties and downtown, and I did it somewhat intentionally. Hear me out, okay? I think that it's reasonable within the context of a first-time visitor to Las Vegas to say, on the strip. The Strip is usually, not always, but usually what a first-time visitor thinks of as Las Vegas. Or they don't realize that Fremont and the Strip are not anywhere close to each other and that you need a car or a cab or a lift or a limo to, to make the, 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 the change from one part of the city to the other. So I usually recommend that for a first visit, staying on the Strip and visiting Fremont Street is generally the best strategy. 
So I don't think off-strip and downtown properties were actually part of the homework. But let me give you a, a quick set of thoughts, just a real quick set. Fremont Street is great. I remember when Fremont Street was not great, but it's great now and I really enjoy it. Geography again. If I lived within driving distance and Vegas was where I was going to do almost all of my gambling, I'd strongly consider cultivating a relationship with the D and or the brand new Circa Resort. And they're part of the same reward system. So as a pair, they have a lot to offer. There's actually a third. I'm going to say Golden Gate. Don't hold me to that. I didn't look it up. There's actually a third property in that system. They call their reward system the one. And uh, they have a lot to offer, as I said. I'd also honestly consider El Cortez in that role. It's just far enough down Fremont from the Fremont Street experience to be a little quieter, just a little more out of the noise. You can get to the noise when you want it, but it's noise optional, I guess. And they've been doing a big remodel. Everything I've seen is nice. Pictures I've seen of real people taking pictures of real rooms. The rooms look like they were redone nicely. I'd, I'd certainly consider El Cortez. I'd certainly give them... I'd give them a decent amount of action for a month or two and, and see what the comps looked like. That, that would certainly be something I'd consider. But if we are picking based on geography, and that was kind of the original premise of the original homework. We said it was homework. Okay, didn't finish the assignment. It's a relatively small pool of people that can drive into Las Vegas or have the means to fly in regularly. But having said that, I got a chance, as I said, to meet with and find out more about Master of Details this week, and the D, and Circa. And I wrote this part well before I actually met him, so this is, you know, kind of add-on thinking. The D and Circa were a big part of what he was telling me about in his Vegas relationship, and he lives fairly close to me. So maybe I should have considered this, the, the entire city. Maybe I should have. So, I tell you what, I was going to give you quick thoughts, let me give you slightly longer thoughts. Since I've now completely wandered off topic, let's think about the whole city. Okay, let's consider this part two of the original question, as nicely prompted by Jules R. As far as Stratosphere, Wynn, Encore, Treasure Island, Casino Royale, and anything else I didn't mention on the strip in part one. At some level, there's no reason not to pick any of those if the geography works for you and you can get there regularly. I could build a case for choosing any of them. I could make a, a, a low-budget case for Casino Royale. I could make a, I have all the money in the world for Win Encore, Cosmo. Cosmo's a standout right now. Everyone loves it because of the luxury aspect. So at some level, no reason not to pick any of them. If you select one of those properties and decided you loved it and had the means to return several times each year, you could certainly build that relationship and have it work just fine. But all of that, in some way, is geography just kind of from a different point of view. Yes, if you have a private jet at your disposal, and if you like Las Vegas, you can just be there whenever you want. Your control of the geography makes geography somewhat meaningless. So you can pick Cosmo, fly in, enjoy Cosmo. It works perfect. And frankly, if you're that person... Get in touch with me, or you know that person, and they're having this dilemma. Where should they start spending all their time and money in Las Vegas? I will be happy to talk with them, to design a custom visit package just for them, and then I will walk them through that custom visit package with as much or as little assistance as they would like. I will get on the jet with them, and I will take them through the whole process and make it as seamless as possible, and I will assume that the tips and gratuities at the end will match my services. <laughs> wow, really sideways. Anyway, other than Stratosphere, I'm not aware of those other properties on the Strip having a national presence. Stratosphere does have an affiliation with a large chain of casinos, but I know this because I saw a sign while I was walking through on the way to a lounge, not because I explored that relationship in any detail. I'm not going to recommend Stratosphere to a first-time visitor unless they are a gambler whose geography has already created their relationship with the brand that Stratosphere is part of. If they already have a gambling routine and that makes Stratosphere attractive to them, great. But normally, for most first-timers, Stratosphere is not where I'm going to put them because it's in a somewhat dangerous part of town and it's a long way to anywhere and first-timers usually want to see stuff. That's how I tend to think of first-timers. Um, 
Okay, off the cuff. For the rest of the city, I'm not an expert on what's called the Boulder Highway Strip. That's different than the Main Strip. It's a series of little groups of casinos at various exits all along Boulder Highway. I have it on my list of things to explore at some point. I just don't have enough information to even have an opinion. There's also a case to be made for the various station casinos. They're operated as part of the Boyd brand nationally. Again, back to geography. If someone had the Boyd brand geographically in their area and already was a gambler or thought more gambling was something they might want to do, using a Boyd property as home base for a first-time visit to Las Vegas could make a lot of sense. But again, first-timers tend to think of Las Vegas as the Strip, not as a casino out in the middle with shopping malls and residential stuff where you drive to the Strip to, to do and see all the exciting stuff. But there you go. I still think the Strip and a major national brand are good choices for a first-time visit to Las Vegas, but, but geography could indicate that something off-Strip or downtown is the best choice for some people. Jules, thank you for prompting me to do part two of that question. Sorry if it was a little less structured than normal, folks. Um, I kind of caught myself by surprise with that one. So next up, core concepts. Clearly, if I think picking a reward system for a first-time Las Vegas visit based on geography is important, then obviously reward systems must be a really important part of casino combat. And it is. It's a very important part of the core concepts. The very core concept of have and use a player's card is a tag that holds that whole part of the um, extreme couponing. I've called it referred to it that way before in the past, extreme couponing, extreme casinoing. I like that term. That has to be part of being good at casino gambling. Uh, I talk about, I talk about, and I can't talk about it enough. Being good at the reward side of this is something I talk about a lot because that's where casinos will make sure you win. Even if once in a while they collect a little money from you at a slot machine or a table game. This is a very practical aspect of what I talk about and do. So today I wanted to talk about really understanding a reward system in at least some level of detail. And that can get a little tricky. Um, I'm kind of going through this myself right now. I'm building my relationship with MGM for the first time in any meaningful way. So I've been reading various things that Billy with the great last name sends me from some Facebook groups that he's in and learning some of the most intricate details of how MGM rewards work. And I'm not sure I actually wanted to understand it in this much detail, but I'm learning. And let me give you an example of perhaps knowing too much. In one group, there was discussion about Shake Shack, which is a restaurant. And there are some of them in some MGM casinos in, in Las Vegas. And the restaurant takes reward credits as payment. That's the imaginary money the casinos give you but they take $2 worth of imaginary money for every $1 that you actually spent. So basically, everything costs double from a points point of view. But members of the reward system and of this face group, Facebook group understand how this all works so well that they advise newbies, like me in this case, to pay Shake Shack in cash and get a receipt and then take the receipt to the rewards desk and they reimburse you the price that you paid in cash. And then they take the points from your account to make up for the cash on a one-for-one, one, not two-for-one basis. That's understanding a reward system in minute detail. And I'm not saying you need to do that. Okay, you can get away with not extreme casinoing all the way to that degree of knowing the Shake Shack rules. But you should review each reward system you are part of a couple times a year and make sure that you are getting all of the benefits that you're supposed to get and make sure that you understand the system. If you don't, it's easy when you change levels, when you level up, it's easy to miss bonus dinners, extra gift giveaways, things that are unique to each level. Or there may be benefits like room upgrades that need to be asked for at check-in. Some properties are very good about reminding you. Others... Not so much. Casino Wisdom number 81 teaches us to ABC, always be casinoing. And studying the reward system you operate in is an aspect of casinoing, even when you're not in the casino. Also, 
Since I'm on the topic of reward systems and understanding that, I think for some people, there is a confusion around tier levels and comps. In some reward systems, you can earn tier levels in ways other than gambling. For instance, you can shop and spend your way to an upper tier in some systems, and you've never gambled a dime. And some people do. But generally, unless you really, 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 and I'm not sure how big this number is, really, really spend, you're not going to get much in the way of comps. I've never talked to anybody who does. And I say talk in the sense of, or seen it posted online or, or anything of that, of that nature. Maybe think of it this way. Tier levels get you benefits. No lines at the restaurant, discounts on purposes, free valet parking, VIP check-in, maybe limo service, a nice gift once a month, free show tickets. Those are general benefits given to anyone at the correct tier level, regardless of how they reach that tier. But comps, free slot play, free or match bets, entries into drawings, comped rooms, comped meals, those are going to be based on play, on gambling. And I'll confess, living a casino lifestyle by just buying it with gambling is something I really like. But living a casino lifestyle and buying it without gambling, which just means earn money, spend money, I don't think that's something I would enjoy doing very much for very long. And maybe I would. Maybe if I had the kind of money to just fly into Las Vegas, not worry about who's paying for it, pay to stay at a hotel, pay to go to all the dinners at every place I wanted to go, go shopping, buy this, buy that, you know, get done with the whole thing and, and having spent, you know, the equivalent of three months pay for me, maybe that would be fun if I wasn't going to miss three months pay. I mean, maybe that's fine. No judgment, but I'm just saying, I don't think I'd like it. I'm happy to use play to get both comps and benefits and I do, and I have, and I've shown you how to do it. And if in the process, as I'm doing with MGM, spending that I would normally already do can make up part of my getting through tiers, that's a bonus. But I'm not buying Prada to get my tier status. If that's something you can do and want to do, A, I'd love to hear about it. B, understand that you're going to get the benefits, but not the comps that come from gambling. And that can be a workable thing too. In fact, Maybe I should start doing a podcast specific about that. And I suspect that's also probably a completely different audience. <laughs> so uh, I did a good bit of gambling this week and I'll ramble at you about it next in the travel segment. A very busy week this week, uh, somewhat to my surprise. And that means a lot of results. For whatever reason, I'm back on my local casino's gift giveaway list after several months of them not being uh, interested in giving me gifts. And combine that with a parking comp and some free slot play, and the whole thing becomes a package that I'll detour just a little bit from my work life to my casino life and, and get done. So I stopped in early in the week to pick up all that stuff. My gift was a very nice blender that I didn't think we needed. I thought it would go in the uh, stack of things that the kids pick uh, fun things from that they need when they're home. But uh, turned out Mrs. TRG has been wanting to replace our blender. I almost said her blender. I guess it's our blender. I probably made a margarita in it at some point. Uh, but anyway, apparently our blender after 30 plus years of marriage is getting icky. And so she was happy to get a new blender. I played one blackjack table and exited after losing less than a day's pay. We had a couple's overnight planned for Saturday, but work life was a bit slow, and I really want to find a way to make going west, which you've heard me do on a couple of occasions, going west instead of east, work as things open up. I really want to get that going, and that means getting either the MGM property at the end of that process, at the end of that cluster group route, um, or the My Choice property to comp me Saturday nights once in a while. Once or twice a month would be great. In fact, twice a month would be great and we could just rotate uh, when schedule allows between our home casino and and something over there and maybe even consider moving our home casino. So I gotta, I gotta get them to, to, uh, to, to comp things. So what all that means is making some solo trips into an area that's still pretty locked down to build the relationship using weekday room comps or partial room comps. I had a partial room comp at the MGM Resort, and so midweek, I did the, the whole go west, 
you know, you've heard me say it before. It's west a couple hours to a My Choice with no hotel. And uh, I did a quick stop, table, couple of slot machines, picked up some uh, some uh, some free slot play and some, some free bets there. Um, I made my way the rest of the way north. Um, as I said, basically the same thing I did a couple weeks ago. I stopped at the second My Choice property, which is near my hotel where I didn't have a, a big enough partial comp. And I got in a table and a couple machines there. Um, obviously, I, as I said, I picked up a variety of comps and free bets along the way. But this part of the week was horrible. I mean horrible in the way that someone who fishes or golfs would rather have a bad day of golf or fishing than do other things. But still, a bad start to the trip. Losing tables, losing machines. All small losses. But it was stop, play plan tables and machines, record losses, leave, repeat. Yeah, I've said before. Right? Um, a, a, a GLL. I gambled, I lost, I left. And since I was making my way to a really nice resort, that was fine, but it certainly wasn't fun. I, I will pause here and observe the value of having a plan that keeps you on track when you're going through these losing, 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 and you're losing relatively quickly, and you're not seeing some wins to offset it. Um, the night before, Mrs. Uh, night before I left, Mrs. TRG had asked me if I was still making the trip. Sometimes... Work gets in the way at the last minute, and I change things around. Um, so I confirmed that I was making the trip, and I laid out the plan for her in terms of travel schedule, machines, and tables. So that when she was looking at the app, as I reported results, she'd kind of have a sense of, of what the plan was and what was going on. So the next part of the plan at this point, after two losing locations and multiple losing machines and multiple losing tables, the next part of the plan was multiple tables at the MGM property, a machine or two, and an effort to maximize points as much as possible. An example of that was, um, you know, rather than rather than having a couple drinks in my room, I found a, a reason to have a couple drinks at the bar, which obviously cost more money, but I charged those drinks to the room, and that means, once again, I need to know my reward system better. I think it's uh, either five or 15 times tier credits for the amount of money I spent on their property. And of course, I charged that all to their credit card to, to get as much benefit as, as possible. That's what I mean by saying get as many points as possible. I wasn't going crazy. I didn't I didn't go to the fancy restaurant and buy myself a $150 dinner, but I, I, did, uh, I did spend a little money on a couple drinks, talked to a great bartender. After check-in, after a couple drinks at the bar, I set about doing the multiple tables and the machine or two that, uh, that the plan I'd shared with my wife talked about. And during the evening, a couple interesting things happened. I'm not going to go through table by table because you're going to hear, oh, I gambled at this table and I won this little fraction of a, of a day's pay. And then I gambled at this table and I lost a smaller fraction of a day's pay. I had a lot of tables where I won that, you know, six to nine units and a lot of tables where I, 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 I lost less units than that and, and, and it balances all out. But not a lot of them were necessarily interesting. But I had a couple interesting things happen. First, I'm at a blackjack table. It's all it's me by myself. And it's been a while since I got to play by myself, which can sometimes be kind of nice. And I'm having a nice little run and the dealer's busting more than he normally should. And and it's it's going well, and I'm not to a, a point where I'm protecting my win yet, but I, I've got a little bit of a win stack piling up and uh, I I notice out of the corner of my eye two young men um hurrying toward the table. And my instant reaction was Chaos is about to join my nice, quiet, private table. That's just what I saw coming was complete chaos and destruction. And uh, so they both buy in for a hundred bucks. And I'm thinking, okay, these guys are not just guys who are going to play one hand and leave. I'm not going to just necessarily wait them out. Um, and they appeared to think that they were buying in and, and had staying power and were ready to uh, attack this $20 a hand game with a uh, hundred dollars each, five bets or more. I don't know. They were all over the board with their best. Um, my instinct was correct. They were both playing for entertainment. All of the choices I saw them make could be described as random. I guess I said chaotic, but random is probably also fair. Um, I I lost a few hands. Um, I, I think lost two, lost two, one, one, maybe something like that. And even though I wasn't at a positive or a negative exit, I'd seen enough to confirm my opinions. And I decided that I didn't want chaos to wreck the less than optimal win I had in front of me. 
so I left. The start of the trip had gone badly enough that I needed to, to hold that win and protect it from the chaos. And the other event, it was just, it was ironic. A, a young man uh, comes into a table. I was on a blackjack table I was on, and he's wearing a shirt that says, Never Broke Again, which I understand to be a brand, um, a youth brand, cool. And I was hoping that that meant something really fun was going to happen, that he was going to win enough to be Never Broke Again. Something was really going to be a fun story. But instead, it was just ironic and kind of sad. Despite the motto on his shirt, he dug around in a variety of pockets and came up with $60, like two 20s, a 10, and and two fives that were all just a crumpled mess from various pockets and, and that kind of stuff. He made two $20 table minimum bets, along with a variety of side bets. He lost all the money wagered on all two hands, dug through his pockets again, found no money, and left. It certainly appeared to me that he was, in fact, broke again. <laughs> I just... I don't know, guys. I just don't know. Sorry. Um, look, I basically broke even for the trip from a gambling point of view and spent a little bit along the way, but not much. It was a solo trip. I saved the, the luxury spending for when, when my wife and I are together. And never was there a point where I would have considered stopping the trip because I had lost too much, and there was never a point where I thought about stopping the trip because I had won too much. Look, winning some of their money is always the goal. But there are other goals, too. This trip was about, I prefer winning, but I set out to, to try to strengthen what I want to become a second casino cluster. That route, like a paper route that I can run a couple of times a month, so in that context, as part of the larger plan, breaking even is fine. Breaking even and spending just a little bit of money is fine. I'm going to multiply that money as part of the relationship and as part of the tier credit process and, and as part of everything else. And really, if you look back on it, to break even, especially after I started with two losing buildings, is, is really fine. And I'm glad I stayed on plan. I'm glad I had a plan to stay on. I wrapped up the week with date night with Mrs. TRG at our home casino. If you recall, this was the test casino. This was the prove casino combat works casino or prove it doesn't work, but I proved that it did. One year ago, I had never been to that casino and I had barely ever used the reward system at another casino uh, once or twice. Now, today... A short time later, thanks to using Casino Combat, in addition to a fully comped room on Saturday night with no resort fees, we both had some free slot play. We both had some table match bets on Sunday. I had enough free imaginary casino money for us to enjoy a comped breakfast before gambling on Sunday. And there was a great bonus for this trip. I got to meet Master of Details in person and deliver his prize for figuring, figuring out which casino is my home casino to him in person. Thank him in person for listening. I got to hear a few of his stories, both of gambling in the region and some recent Las Vegas trips he's made. And in very cool, he was just wrapping up a sweep of three casinos in about eh, 20 hours, it sounded like. He basically made his own little casino trip, a casino and and then uh, and then a break for things like sleep and food, and then another two casinos Sunday morning, picking up as much free money as possible from free slot play. Didn't sound like he put a lot of his own money at risk. It was a very casino combat kind of move for sure. And the good news was he had a plan. It's his private business. I'm not going to share his plan with you. That's not my story to tell. But he had a plan, he had a goal, he had an amount of free money that he wanted to that he wanted to take from them, and I think takes the right word, um, as part of this process. And really neat, he literally accomplished it almost exactly to the penny um, right before we met up. He was gambling, we were finishing breakfast, then we met up, and it was so neat that he was able to share his plan and then tell us he accomplished the goal of that plan, Right, right before we got to meet him. So that was very fun. Look, it's tough to really get to know someone standing on a casino floor, talking through a mask for just a little while. It would have been much better to get to know him sitting at a bar, having a drink, or, or sitting in a restaurant, having something to eat. But that just really wasn't part of, the, part of the possibilities right now. But a couple things I took away from our conversation. As I mentioned earlier, 
Um, his downtown Las Vegas game is on point. He's a big fan of downtown. He, he seems to be a good bit younger than me. That may be the reason that he likes that energy at, at more of a level than, than I do. Um, he was even wearing a Circa mask. So th- this guy is, has definitely um, got, got his Las Vegas, downtown Las Vegas game um, on point. And MOD knows a lot more about finding advantage opportunities on slot machines than I do. It's an aspect of my game that I'm going to try to tighten up. And this is something I wouldn't even have known to consider learning about without the wonderful coincidence of meeting someone as a result of creating this podcast. So after we met him and talked with him, Mrs. TRG and I took one more run at the tables before leaving the building. I had a very nice win. She had a modest win at her blackjack table. We had to play separately. In the end, for the trip, we lost and spent less than a half day's pay. Which is to say, we won a small amount of money and spent more than that on food and drinks, including a more uh, kind of date night martinis and dessert in, uh, in the steakhouse. Final numbers lost and spent for the week, about one and a half day's pay. And honestly, that was mostly spent more than lost. And the other thing that needs to be said is that slot play is wrecking us so far this month. We are winning money playing blackjack and we are losing money playing slot machines with our own money. And the free slot play is returning way, way, way less than not only our average, but way less than what I expect a slot machine to return from free slot play. We've had a variety of small slot wins, but we've had several big losses, each of us. I say reality podcasting, I mean reality podcasting. When something works, I tell you. And I try to tell you how I did it. And when it isn't working, I tell you that too. And if it doesn't work long enough, it gets dropped from the process and I'll move on. But we're certainly not there yet by any stretch of the imagination. We haven't even finished the month yet. This could all turn around um, on the slot machine side with each of us having one nice win. So we will obviously see how that goes over the next couple of weeks. That's it for the travel this week. I've been a pit boss in the past. Please join me in the VIP lounge and I will tell you all about what it's like to be a pit boss as TRG. Oh, a little bit of the bubbly. Okay, funny how our lounge is always open at about this point in the podcast. I'm hearing that the real versions of VIP lounges are starting to open back up some here in North America. That's a good thing. I can't wait to get back to the point where we can sit around and swap stories in person. But virtually, you know what we do. You probably know what we do. So let's do it. Still in sparkling soda and pop, all the best virtual bottles. And please join me for a sip or two if you are so inclined. And of course, if you're not driving. Bally's in Atlantic City stopped being Caesars which means I'm not getting back into one of my favorite VIP lounges. Probably. We'll see. I might know a trick or two to get around that. But uh, we'll see next time I get there. But uh, that casino left the Caesars uh, system, and that means that uh, that VIP lounge, as I said, not, not so much anymore. And for a variety of reasons, and I'll tell that story some other time, but I generally enjoy tequila, specifically tequila, in that VIP lounge for a reason, as I said, its own story. Um, so that that VIP lounge is kind of on my mind. I've told you about it in the past. I'm not going to bother you with uh, telling you about it again. But given all that, I'm having Tequila Sunrise as we share a couple of stories. I hope you find something you enjoy as well. I've never worked for a casino. Sometimes casinos work for me, and sometimes I donate some of my, my money or some of my past winnings to them, but I've never actually worked, been an employee. That's what I should say. I've never been an employee of a casino. But I've been a pit boss a couple times. You may recall that I often refer to the Heroes and Crooks scale um, from my youth when I read dozens of books about Heroes and Crooks and learned much from both of their styles. And that scale often gets mentioned here in the VIP lounge uh, for some very obvious reasons, I suspect. I was a pit boss the first time, probably the first time falls on the crooks end of the heroes and crooks scale, at least for most people. As always, you decide. So here goes. Years ago at Casino One, in fact, both of these stories take place at Casino One back when I was a weekly regular there um, over a decade ago. So since I was there every week, 
I got to know everyone really well. And at the time, the main pit that they had for table games was very, very long. And it was sometimes only staffed on a weekday night with one pit boss. And it always usually needed two. And at busy times, it needed three or four. It was too big for one person to really handle. Um, And even with two people, responses to calls could be slow. And if you don't regularly play table games, calls are a thing that occurs between a dealer and a pit boss. And many times, the protocols, the process, the procedures, the rules, whatever you want to call it, require the game to pause until approval is received from the pit boss. So a couple examples. For example, if a player is leaving a table and needs to turn smaller denomination chips into larger denomination chips, and the house prefers that because they want to keep the smaller chips on the table so they don't have to keep refilling, a dealer might call out, sending 350, three black out, and they leave all the chips sitting there to be checked by the pit boss. And this means they are giving a player three $100 chips and two green chips. And until the pit boss approves the amount that's going to be given to the player, the game pauses. And sometimes the pit boss looks from a distance and improves it. And sometimes they come over and actually physically check the chips. It depends. But until that approval is given, as I said, the game pauses. So if a player has a black chip, sent another example, and they they come up to the table and they want all red chips because it's a, a $10 table. And they're not going to bet the black chip. They need smaller chips. Then the dealer would call out, Check change 100, one black in, and then a pause until the pit boss approves the transaction. So I'm playing blackjack, and there's a friend of mine, a buddy, a person I know. I mean, not like a person I'd call to pick me up if I got arrested, but a friend I know. And he's at the the next table to me, and the pit boss is overworked. And it's a pit boss I know, and he has a louder and somewhat distinctive booming voice, so it's obviously missing. And during a break, a friend... The friend tells me that the calls are taking forever and it's really slowing things down. And I said, I know, I noticed it too. I I absolutely agree. I really didn't intend at that moment for this to evolve the way it did, but it did evolve. And I think it's safe to say that TRG had probably had a cocktail at this point. He was not going to be driving. He had a cop hotel room. So the next time a call occurred at my buddy's table... I made sure that, uh, you know, I blocked my mouth with my elbow or the back of my hand or the back of my fist, and I completed the call myself. Go ahead, send it! You know, apparently my impression was close enough to the pit boss that uh, the transaction happened, and my friend's cracking up. Uh, It happened again from a different part of the pit. I did it again. It worked again and again and again. And I was careful never to respond to my own table when the dealer might catch on and I always waited until an annoyed dealer made a second repeat call in case the real boss answered the first call but I probably just guessed him and obviously I probably approved at least a third of the transactions in the pit for at least 30 minutes until the pit boss went on break and was replaced by a younger female pit boss and I was not going to try to duplicate her voice my friend was convinced that at least his dealer and maybe one other knew what was going on, but it was making their job easier, so they just didn't say anything, which I think is hysterical. Hopefully, no harm, no foul on this one, but somewhat unintentionally, a bit of a crook move there maybe on on my part. But the second time was more legit, completely more legit. I was really technically a deputy pit boss for about 20 minutes. Here's the setup on this one. Same pit. Same situation, one pit boss just isn't enough. I'm sitting at the first position at a blackjack table, which means another table is right behind my shoulder. And when a dealer dealer rotates into this table behind me, I notice he has a shadow. A shadow is an experienced dealer that follows a new dealer and helps them with procedure and makes sure that any mistakes get corrected. It's not uncommon, but it's not something you see every visit, so I noticed it. Well, the dealer in training is calling out every single transaction. I mean, all the way down to things like check change $5. Normally, experienced dealers make judgments on what to get approval for, or they follow guidelines. It might be anything less than $100 doesn't get called for verification. 
I've even been places where a pit boss will come over to tell a dealer, you don't need to tell me every time you hand TRG a black chip. That's not unusual for him. So it varies by table, by dealer, by player, by property. Well, logically, our beginning dealer is dealing to a very low limit table, like a $5 minimum, I think. And he is calling someone turning three red chips and 10 white chips into one green chip and waiting for a response. Really, really low level stuff. And he's driving Rosa, the pit boss, crazy because she is very busy with much more complicated things than $25 check change. And then to compound things, the shadow dealer tells Rosa that he's not had a break in 180 minutes and that's more than what's allowed in the contract and then he kind of shrugs and says, I'm sorry, I really need a break. So he really wasn't trying to be a jerk. He just really needed a break. We can apply our own standards to that. So she sends him on break. And now the new dealer is even more nervous. And he's calling out things that don't even need approval. Like just paying the normal bet. He's calling, paying $10, two red. And he's waiting. And the players are going, come on, come on, come on. And he's waiting. And so Rosa comes over and she tells him he doesn't need to call out every little thing. And the dealer in training replies that he really, really needs this job. And he was told if he didn't call out everything during this audition, he wouldn't get the job. So now Rosa's in a tough spot. She doesn't have time to deal with all the calls and she doesn't have time to try to convince him to call less. I'd known Rosa for several years at this point. I saw her almost all the time, almost every week, but I never, ever saw this coming. Thinking on her feet, she says to the dealer, James, this is TRG. He's very good at blackjack and understands casino procedure. TRG, this is James. He's a new dealer and learning casino procedure. James, TRG will answer all the calls. Do what he says. TRG, keep an eye on him. Don't send any black chips and don't send anything larger than $200. Look, and I, of course, said, no problem. I got this for you. I got you. No big deal. And at this point, my dealer at my table, the next detail over, says, hey, Rosa, me too, please? And Rosa says, sure, that's fine. TRG, take care of him too. Thanks, TRG. So for about the next 20 minutes, I was the pit boss for those two tables. Since the $5 table was getting a lot of players coming in and coming out, a lot of people were amused and or confused when another player, clearly gambling, was acting as a pit boss. I had a blast. I was happy to help Rosa. Certainly, I think I'm closer to the hero side of the scale on this one than in the first one. I think so. Once again, I'll let you pick. Hopefully, you found some of this, some of all this, to be practical and conscientious. I think there's a lot of practical advice in, in the course of this episode. If you're playing the casino chip game, there are 11 in this episode of the podcast. Yo, 11, once again. Please tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers. Don't tip away your wins. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. It's time for leaving, and I do hope you understand. I was born a rambling man. Love it, hate it, it don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>